Thank you for tuning in to the sermon podcast from Redeeming Hope. We exist as a family of faith that follows Jesus and helps others find him by living all of life as missionaries of hope. If you want more information about our church or would like to support our ministry, go to our website at redeeminghope.org. Please enjoy the sermon podcast. Like Katie said, my name is Marshall Gallagher. Uh, Really happy to be here this morning. Uh, I've known Josh since he had the idea of this church in his head. Uh, We went to church planting assessment together, where if you've ever seen like Men in Black, the first one, and Will Smith's kind of sitting there in these big, tall, scary chairs, and all these people are taking tests and doing all that stuff, and they know everything, and you got the, like all the high-qualified military guys. That was Josh during the church planting training. He knew everything. He's been in the world and all that. I was Will Smith, like, looking around, having no idea what to do. And so uh, we've, we've just kind of been on a journey together, uh, seeing our, you know, two churches kind of take off and bud and grow and I mean transitions in different areas and kind of how the Lord has moved things around for both of us but uh, I'm really happy to be here this morning and to kind of see finally like in person all the stuff Josh has told me about Uh, but let me pray for our time together and then we'll just jump right in Uh, Lord thank you that we can come before you in your word this morning Uh, we know you're already there ready to meet us and I pray that our our hearts would be uh, would catch up to you and would would uh, see what you have for us this morning Um, help us to receive your word uh, deep into our hearts Uh, help it help it change us change our lives transform our lives to become more like you Jesus And so, Lord, uh, we know that you are faithful to do that, and uh, we wait expectantly for that to happen this morning. We pray in your name. Uh, So I want to start just real quick with, it's Psalm 139. Uh, If you want to turn there or uh, pull it up on your phone, however you typically follow along, I uh, want to start at the very, very end and just read this out as a way to kind of kick us off, and then we'll, I'll, I'll read it out in just a moment. But uh, verse 23, Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Uh, That's been one of my favorite kind of like just lines in my head, prayers, or maybe even kind of a plea of of David here. Uh, And it speaks to this idea of wanting connection. And I think, you know, Christian, non-Christian connection is really, really important today. Culturally, we all want to connect. There's, you know... Uh, how are you connecting with your babies? All these, all the babies and attachment theory and like skin to skin. And it's real, real popular. You got to figure out how you're best connecting with your kids and your babies and all that. And then there's like all the online connection. We're trying to be more and more and more connected throughout this whole world. And, you know, we have uh, video chats and all these things and just the ways, the multiple ways that we can all connect with one another. And at work, I'm sure many of you are, are in the, like, are you asynchronously working or in office or in person or all at the same time? And you're, everybody's kind of driving, like, we got to make sure that our workplaces are really connected. Even though we can be far apart physically, we, we're working for connection. And then, like, all the marriage dating 
uh, like how do you connect with your spouse? Take this quiz online. Like has anybody just been scrolling and taking those dumb quizzes? And it's like, I bet this one isn't going to try to sell me something. And every time it does. Uh, but, but so, I, you know, connection, we, I think we long for it. I think it's, it's true. It's right. Like we, we were made to connect. Uh, and then you read this prayer and you're like, yes, Lord, search me and know me. And, and if there's any grievous way in me, just any at all, lead me in the way everlasting. And it's this longing. Uh, but I think underneath it, there's a question like, do we really want connection? I know we say, we say we do. I think there's a part of us that do. I think there's another part of us that if we pause for long enough, uh, maybe that freaks us out a little bit. Really connecting with someone, really connecting deeply with God, because that means we have to be vulnerable and open and exposed, and we know it's hard work to connect. Uh, and so that's a little bit what I want to talk about this morning, and I think what David is kind of uh, writing and in, in speaking out loud, at least back then. Um, so let me read through the psalm, and then we'll, we'll kind of look at it uh, in that lens of connection with God. Uh, but so this is Psalm 139, uh, verse 1. It says, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, behold O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light be about me night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day for darkness is as light with you. For you form my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance and your books were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I am still with you. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. O men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them as my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. This is the word of the Lord. See, in my church, we all do the thanks be to God. And I remember the first time I got there, I was like, wait, I have to say that every single Sunday? And, and now it's like, it makes me like, I don't know what to say at the end of this thing. So 
you guys made me feel very welcomed there by not part because I remember all the years back before I was like I don't do that I'm not used to it but so this first question on connection so what is connection with God I think these first two kind of stanzas sections uh, kind of one through 12 talk about connection with God um, and so what I'm going to call it is just knowledge and presence both of those things, knowledge kind of plus presence maybe equals connection. Um, and the God of the Bible always brings both. So yeah, I, I never does God just give knowledge, just lay things down to us without his presence. They're always included. And we might call that revelation. And there's lots of different ways we can think about it. But I think that truly is kind of we see God's heart as connected to us and he brings knowledge uh, or understanding and presence or maybe you could call it experience and so in these first uh, six kind of lines David it, it just listen to how intimate this knowledge is God knowing David uh, it's it's past tense present tense I love what Heidi said that the hemming in is behind and before it says you know when I sit down you know when I rise up uh, you you search out my path just kind of the everyday rhythms of my life and my lying down and those things that just kind of break off the normal rhythms of life. Uh, even before a word is on my tongue, you know it. God knows us so deeply. He knows what we're going to say before we know what we're going to say. And, and of course, verse six, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. That's way over my head is what David's saying. And, and it should be. This is the God who created the universe. And, and so this intimate, intimate knowledge. You hit me in your behind before you lay your hand upon me. You, you get the sense that David knows that God deeply knows him. And, and that's this, this sweet, close knowledge. Um, it, but think about the, the opposite of that knowledge of, of David not knowing or God not knowing David. It's, it's just uh, knowledge without presence, I suppose. And, and that would just kind of be rationalism or deism, that, that God's out there, God created the world, and, but, but there's no connection. There's no way to know or, or no real uh, intimate reality that God knows me. Uh, it seems very, very cold, doesn't it? Just to have information without any connection. Um, or, or maybe some thoughts of like, well, I know that the world was made, but we really are left in silence thereafter. Uh, and, it, and it's almost like it, me being here this morning, uh, I've known about redeeming hope for years and, and talked to Josh about it and all the ups and downs of any kind of normal church and, and the years and the different iterations and all these things. Uh, but being here physically present is very, very different. I, I had a, a, a slight knowledge, but now I am connected and I can think back to your faces and the coffee and the muffins and all the different realities and, and presence is really that additional piece with knowledge that, that brings connection. And so presence, uh, David talks about in, in verse 7 through 12, where shall I flee from your presence? And you kind of all these questions, questions that are rhetorical, um, they're obvious. Where shall I go? Well, nowhere. 
I, I, I can't go anywhere that I can flee from your presence. And, and you may hear that as like, you can't run from me. You're not getting away. Uh, and you can hear that as, as a chastisement. I don't think that David's counting it as a chastisement. I think it's, hey, I'm with you wherever you go. It's a, it's a, it's a measure of closeness, not I'm going to be watching you, <laughs> right? It's not like a, a mean Santa Claus in the sky. It's, hey, there is nowhere where you will be able to hide because in my presence, that is where joy is and life is. Go, try and hide and you're not going to be able to. I will come after you because I love you that much. His presence is always with us. Um, but then think of, of if it was just presence, but there's no knowledge, there's no knowing, there's no communion, there's no connection, it's just being around. Well, then we're kind of just like robots in a little factory or, or world. There, there's no communication. It's just God with his little widgets. And that, that seems very odd and it's not comforting. It doesn't create a relationship. And maybe you've had this kind of relationship where, you know, think back to, you know, college or maybe in your life right now where you've had a roommate and I don't know if any of y'all have had roommates. I had a roommate that I like hung out with, talked with, we, you know, played late video games into the wee hours of the morning with. And then I had a roommate in the same house uh, who just kind of went to class, came home, had his meals, was there, but never, we never really hung out. We never talked. It was just kind of a transactional thing. And so one, I have presence and knowledge and experience and understanding with, and then this other roommate, it's just, well, you know, I kind of know him, but I, not really. He's just around. And the loss of connection and the difference of, of being connected to this roommate who, like, he just got married and I, you know, my name is on his marriage license, right? And I stayed in touch with him all these years. And then this other one, it's like, I, he lives in Birmingham, right? And the difference there. And so, so God really, really connecting with us always gives us both. And even think about these big kind of Bible stories of God coming to people. Think about Abraham. He comes and he says, I am, I am, I am God. He, he comes, he tells him who he is, but he's there present with him. Even, even the promise of kind of, here's where I'm going to send your people. I'm going to give you this land and, and I'm going to make these promises. And then that, the kind of line of fire uh, that he says, put this sacrifice down. It's this experiential connection. Uh, and then Moses with this burning bush, there's this massive experience. There's this massive presence that Moses knows. And then it's a communication of knowledge back and forth. Moses, I am the God of your forefathers, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And, and there's knowledge added with it. You think of Isaiah and Jeremiah and all these big kind of prophets and God sending them out. It's experience, but it's also, I'm going to put my words in your mouth and I'm going to touch this coal to your mouth and I'm going to send you. And there's always both. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is Genesis 16, where I think this comes together. It's so quick. Uh, and it's with Hagar. And so if you know about Hagar, it's this poor slave girl who was kind of thrown into uh, Abraham and, or Abram and Sarai, who they are kind of trying their best to make one of God's promises work in their own strength. 
And like we all connect with that, right? Anytime things go haywire in our lives, it's likely that we're trying to just, okay, God, I know you're saying this, but I'm going to do it my way. And in Hagar, this poor girl is, is caught up in that. And, and so Sarai is trying to have a baby and they're like, you know what? This isn't working. Let's go through Hagar. And sure enough, Hagar gets pregnant and Sarah gets really bitter against her. Like who didn't see that coming? And then Hagar runs away as a young pregnant girl without any protection into the wilderness. And she's sitting there basically ready to die. And God comes to her and says, what, where, where are you? Go. And then gives her a promise and sends her back. And she says this great line. So God comes, lets her know that he sees her. She has this knowledge, but she also has this great presence and experience and promise. And at the end, she says, I have seen him who looks after me. That's connection. It's knowledge and presence both there. And, and David mentions it again here. Did you notice that the word hand in verse 5 and then in verse 10 says, you lay your hand upon me. It says, even if I dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me. Your right hand shall hold me. This is kind of the hand of God, this powerful guiding force deep, deep connection, the presence, but also the knowledge and the guiding. And it's not just guiding, but you also see this kind of creating hand of God in the next section. So connection with God, knowledge and presence, or, or maybe even understanding and experience, all those things coming together. And then what happens when we connect with God? I think you see in this next section, uh, in 13, kind of all the way to 22, uh, talks about you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And you see the creating hand of God. And so one of the things that we, when we connect with God, we understand our value. I, I mean, this, this uh, 13 to 16 is such a special part of the Bible that speaks to the innate value of human life. And like, if you've been in any kind of the uh, pro-life, pro-choice debate discussion, people are referencing Psalm 39. I don't think you need to, you don't need it to make that point, but it's as clear as it could be. Like God knew you before your parents knew you were on the way. That's a special level of knowledge and value. Um, and, and what's interesting, and I think where the Bible crashes into our sensibilities, is you look kind of culturally today, and one side will say, all life has value, and we must protect it. Because all life is innately value. You say, yes, that is true. And then the other side says, well, we've got to protect the most vulnerable because all life has value. And you don't know which political side of the spectrum I'm talking about. And, and so it's like, okay, well, you know, we see that God puts value even before these, you know, even before they were a thought, even before they were knitted together. And so we must protect the ability to protect unborn life. But what happens when that unborn life grows up and becomes an illegal immigrant? or someone who is experienced gender dysphoria, 
And, and so you have these two political sides that are like, well, one of those is, and, and we just, it crashes into us because God is so much bigger than that. And I'm not talking about what is right or what we should guide people to. We're not there yet. We're talking about just the innate image of God on all people. And, and this Psalm and God's connection with us and when we connect with God, we realize we are connecting with a God who values us in categories and ways that are bigger than our kind of social political decision making. And it, and it should, it should challenge us, it should take, help us step back and say, oh my gosh, God values us more than we even value ourselves. And so it ought to hopefully comfort you if you take, kind of take it out of the social realm and take it individually that God cares more for you than you care for you. When you were being made in secret, he saw and he even said it was good because you're made in his image. And so where that puts us is it, it we understand our value and this innate value, and it's a challenging one because God values us far more than we attribute value to ourselves or to others, but it helps us find our purpose, our purpose in life. And so uh, it, at my hope, I know y'all have a hope, this is my hope, community church, um, and Josh and I didn't plan that. My, my name for our church plant was The Branch, and he had Redeeming Hope, and then we like changed and merged into Hope. So uh, he had the idea first, but I didn't, I didn't copy him. I want to make that very, very clear. Uh, but we find our purpose, and so at, at my hope, we have a purpose statement, and we define purpose by the reason why we exist. So we have a purpose and a mission statement and we keep those separate. But if you think about purpose of why we exist, the reason why we exist is not, has nothing to do with us. Why are you here right now has nothing to do with you. It is because God knew you before your parents had any idea that you were around. And verse 16, even unformed in his book, his eyes saw you in his book were written every single day that you were formed for. So you have the reason why you exist. We say the reason why we exist is because God has set his love upon us in Jesus Christ. That's our little website tagline purpose statement. But your purpose is right here in verse 16. You exist because God has written every day of yours in his book before there were any. And, and so that could, be, that could be a hard thing to hear or a comforting thing to hear because I don't know what is going on in your lives. I mean, if you're like my congregation or like me, there's a few of us who are going through some really tough times and there's some of us who are going through a little tough times and there's all of us who have one tough thing we're dealing with And God knows that. Your days were written out. That is why you are here. And so even in the midst of the thing that you're going through, you can know that that, that isn't a surprise to God. It's not something that has taken him aback or, or that he's not sure how to handle, is that 
these days were written in. And, and he is connected with you. So you find a purpose. And then that purpose leads to kind of, okay, so what do we do? Like mission, what am I here for? And I think that kind of goes to verse 17 all the way to 22. And so when we realize we are here because God uniquely has placed us here, we have a response and that response is praise. And that's what David does. He says, how precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them? If I could count them, they're more than the sand. And what's so interesting, he's talking about thinking and thinking and knowing and knowledge, and then he slams right back into presence and says, I awake and I'm still with you. So again, there's that connection. It's God, I think about you all the time, and you're, and you're with me. When I wake up in the morning, and he's simply just praising and celebrating that he is connected to God. And so that is part of our mission. It's just becoming like God. It's just proclaiming out loud what we know of God. And then 19 to 22, it's, it's our hearts and our desires. They start to be conformed to God. So what he sees as good, we start to think what is good. And what he sees as evil, we start to see what is evil. And David must have been going through something. Because this, it, like, did anyone read this 19 through 22 and think, did this get, like, copy and pasted in the wrong psalm or something? Like, it's so wonderful. And then it's like, oh, that you would slay the wicked. Like it, it comes out of nowhere and it, it jolts you. And, and often like when you're reading the Psalms or when you're reading Hebrew, it's written so that you would feel those little jolts. Did you know that? Like it, it, when you're reading and you're thinking, well, that's weird. Go, go with that feeling because it's written in a way that like in the original kind of Hebrew language in the artistry of it, so Greek is a very like linear, you're thinking of okay, this and that and this. Hebrew, if you're reading through something and you're like, that's weird, or like, whoa, or like, oh my. When you emotionally feel a shift, that's in there on purpose. That whoever, David or the writers, the scribes, all the people who wrote these Psalms, like they knew that, or maybe they didn't know, but they were planning on us reading it later and feeling that shift. And so what the shift is, is probably something David was dealing with. And so what do we do with it now? I think it just shows that when we praise, when we understand who we are in God, that we start to have his thoughts. And so David is, is kind of explaining that or just praying that or, or just complaining to God. Like God, oh, you do something here. You know I hate the, what you hate. Do not loathe those who rise up against you and, and they speak evil against you. Enemies taking your name in vain, misrepresenting you. I hate them. Maybe he's just talking about how exhausted he is fighting whoever he is fighting. I count them as my enemies. And so our hearts start to conform to what God loves and what God hates. And that's kind of, okay, well, what, what should we do as Christians, as followers of Jesus? Well, we should long for and let our hearts and open our hearts to be conformed into how he sees the world, to having a challenging level of compassion to all types of people, 
that don't really fit in our categories and, and to, to hate what he hates, but also to apply grace to his enemies. And, and, it's, and it should, it should challenge us constantly, but that's kind of our mission. And I think that's what David is explaining. He's praising and then he's conforming himself to the image of God. Um, and so then we get to this kind of plea, search me and know me, O God, know my heart, try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And uh, it's not that easy, is it? And, and, and when I'm walking through scripture, or even praying, it's, I, again, like I love this, these last two verses, uh, but does anybody sound or feel like a phony when they pray this? or when they read this. And I think, oh, I've gotta get closer to God. I have to connect with God more. And we do all this practical activity, right? So it's like, okay, I don't feel close to God and I gotta double down on my, on my morning devotion. I gotta find a new book and I gotta listen, find a new podcast and I gotta, I gotta get back into small group. I gotta go to church every single week, not just, I can't miss anymore. Like we, we do all this practical activity and not, none of those things are bad, right? Like spiritual disciplines and, and showing up to church, you know, those are good things. Um, even, you know, singing, doing all this stuff. But I, we, I think we get into trouble with the difficulty of connecting with God when we think that our activity is what connects us to God. Because it doesn't. It's the cross that connects us to God. And, and I'm so tempted to think more activity will bring me closer, uh, but it's going through Jesus. That's what connects me to God. And I think that's why it's so difficult because I, I skip over that step, that very first necessary step. And so that's where I want to kind of, you know, close out and take us there a little bit. Well, the difficulty of connecting with God is going through the gospel and reminding our hearts of that. And so maybe you're like me, um, <clears throat> but then again, I've had like a whole week to prep and think on this. So, you know, I'm kind of taking you guys at a disadvantage here, but I read this line in verse 24 and I say, see if there be any grievous way in me. Lord, sir, you know my thoughts before they come out. You know me, I can't hide. I, you're, you're where I am all the time. And if there be any grievous way in me, and I think about it and I'm, I'm like, if? I mean, there's a grievous way on me, like just getting here this morning, <laughs> right? And I mean, you go back a day and there's a dozen grievous ways about me and and I think, what do I, what do, I do? It's, it, there's grievous ways of me. And then, I, and then I think back, I look up and I think 19 through 22, oh, that you would slay the wicked. Oh, men of blood, depart from me. They speak with you with malice, malicious intent. Enemies take your name in vain. And, and that whole take your name in vain is not like you say the bad word. It's like you're misrepresenting God and and I think to myself, I misrepresent God all the time. Like I use the Lord's name in vain all the time. 
I mean, and it's like, I can't get away from it. I meet somebody and they're like, what do you do for work? And I'm like, here we go. <laughs> right? But I know that's true of all of us. It's like we call ourselves Christians and then throughout the week, we're not representing this God we say we serve. And then, and David's saying, do not hate those who hate you and do not loathe those who rise up against you. And then every single time that I'm just complaining about life, that I'm trying to almost kind of like Abraham and Sarah work outside of God's promises and just do things in my own strength. I'm, I'm rising up against God. I'm saying, I, your way is not the right way here. I'm gonna do it on my own terms. And so I, I find so much of myself in this Psalm and the worst part is I find so much of myself in verse 19 to 22. And then I think, yeah, I, you, God, like, I, this is David longing for justice, and God is just, and we long for justice. And so that justice then would fall on me. And so how am I to get back on the right track with God in the way everlasting if I'm the wicked that ought to be slain? And that's kind of where Jesus crashes into this psalm. Romans 5.10, and, and you may be familiar with it even without like the verse reference, it says, for if we were enemies, for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life? And, and maybe you know that verse in slightly different, but while we were yet sinners, right? And, and there's all these different ways of where we were the enemies of God, right? I mean, on, on a, you just take me day to day, I am an enemy of God. And rather than Christ counting us as enemies, like David is begging God to do for his enemies, in verse 22, he became sin. He became the enemy of God. He was the one who put himself on the chopping block so that we never had to pay for that wickedness, pay for being men and women of blood. We didn't have to experience the separation from God's presence. He did that for us in our place. He made his bed in Sheol so that we would never have to experience the loss of that presence and he experienced the darkness but is our light. I mean, you see these drops of Jesus all over this Psalm and, and it's even better than that, right? So we, we, Jesus took our place. We were the enemies of God. He became sin and stood in the place, substituted us. But even going back to, that, to those last two verses, so search me, O God, and know my heart. God knows our hearts, and they're broken. And so he, he doesn't say, I'm just going to lead you, but I'm going to give you a new heart. I'm going to give you my heart. He says, try me and know my thoughts. We know he can and see if there be any grievous way in me, and we know that there is, and lead me in the way everlasting. And he gives us a better way. He gives, him, gives us himself. 
And so maybe our plea, our prayer, and I'll, I'll just kind of finish with this, and maybe this is kind of what you jot down. Um, maybe it should be this. It should be, search me, O God, and give me the heart of Jesus. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any grievous way in me and lead me to Jesus. And that's what I want to leave y'all with this morning. Let me pray. Lord, uh, we know the grievous way about ourselves. And we see, Jesus, that you did something about it that we could never do. And so before we get busy, before we get anxious about what we need to do to connect with you, Lord, help us stop first at the gospel, rehearse that in our hearts uh, so that we can be given a new heart and that we can be led to you, the way, the truth, and the life. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening. We gather every Sunday at the Clarksville area YMCA. For more information, please go to our website at redeeminghope.org.